You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. What was special about you and Soli was staying Iceland together? Why did you do that, by the way? Just as yeah. a holiday trip or what was that? Yeah, yeah, you know, so when Sylvie and I got together seven years ago, I was, am was the adventurer. You know, the, the, the man out in the world adventuring far from home. And in a, in a way, though, seeking home. She has always been the homebody. The one who really has, has, you know, never lived more than 20 minutes away from her family so we were, we're, there's these two people who, you know, I, I was, I found in her a woman who, who could bring me home and she found in me a man who could bring her out into the world. Now, that's a simplistic way of telling it, but, you know, she and I have talked about this a lot. And, and so the, the very thing, though, that attracted us is also the very thing that at times we really resisted about each other because I'm wanting to adventure and she's wanting to stay home. And, and that tension it's often it's so common in couples. The very thing we choose our partner for becomes the thing that we also then reject. A lot of layers to, to, to why that is. But, and, you know, Sylvie and I have experienced that. So going to Iceland was actually really cool because Sylvie insisted on it. I was the one that was like, no, 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 we got to, we've been traveling too much. And, uh, you know, we just bought a house. Let's stay here and, and, and home. And she was like, I need to get out of here. I need to adventure. I need to travel. So, you know, it's really fascinating how, how couples do that dance and 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 will oftentimes, you know, like I gifted her so much of my adventurous spirit and she's gifted me so much of of my my new drive to really nest. And so going to Iceland was really beautiful because she insisted on it. She in many ways she took us there, even paid for the whole trip, you know. So it, it was really beautiful for us to to dance in this this way of of sort of Oh man, it's it's like there are these moments in couples where you really come together aligned in so many ways. I think a lot of times couples spend doing their own thing in their own world. Some couples are just even painfully out of alignment a lot because they don't know how to come together. And I think even the best couples, I mean, you and Nita, you're you're two are very independent people. You have your own lives, your own. I know, I know there's crossover a lot. You have children together, you have a home together. You do you do work together, mm-hmm. and though I know you have you're both very independent people. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's very very fair to say. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know these moments where uh, you know Sylvia and I really come together and and we're like aligned. And even then, you know, we go to Iceland, and I still I want to get in the rental car and just drive out into the country. She wants to just stay right <laughs> in the hotel <laughs> yeah. in the city and just you know stay in her little. So it's just it's just so funny how you know how couples work and find their way. And so it was really, it was really special for us to go. And, and this, you know, Iceland is such an epic, beautiful, vast, harsh land. Yeah. You know, we had so much fun there. And is there something, was it because you wanted to find that bond again? Was it because 
you had not taken a vacation like that before, or you were yeah. just like, no, this is the vacations we take, and this was just part of the game. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, you know, we. This has been a. This has definitely been a challenging year. A lot of transition. We moved from one state to another state. We bought our first house in a crazy market. We've been without our dog for eight months because she's been she's been at my my grandparents' camp in Maryland. Um, it's been a tough year. You know, we've both been so busy with our work on top of all of it. And, and I think we, we really needed time to just melt with each other, to just not have any work, any distractions, any, any even family, to just be with each other in, uh, you know, for a good solid seven days. I wouldn't say we needed it to reconnect. We're, you know, we, we, we have daily connection practices. You know, we're, she and I are committed to consistent, connection mm-hmm. every day. I mean, we, we, we have our routines and practices that help make sure we don't stray too far from, from each other. Um, and though, you know, in the, in the, in the course of a year, we need, we need time off. We need breaks. We need, and we don't even have kids. You know, I can't imagine what that, you know, what parents often go through uh, to try to connect with each other. Yeah. You know, our dog can get in the way sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, no, it was just it was just something we just needed to do. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You said that you have daily connection practices, yeah. and and I love that. I love that because I know Nita is one of those people in in my relationship, which mm-hmm. which showed me the power mm-hmm. of not waiting for a day, but to say yeah. you know it needs to be every day or more or less every day, if not every day. Mm-hmm. So, firstly, what is a connection practice? Yeah. Why do you think this is important? I think this is this word connection particularly so few people can really define it. Couples can say, and it's often, it's often, not always, but often, you know, a, a woman in a, in a heterosexual couple who might say, I don't feel connected. And it's often the man that says, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. What do you mean? Like, we're good. The house ain't on fire. You know, you're not bleeding. No one's starving. We're paying all our bills. What's the problem here? <laughs> I'm not cheating on you. Mm-hmm. I'm not beating you. I'm not talking, right? All these, what's the problem? Why don't you feel connected? And it is a nebulous thing because people connect differently. You know, I think on balance, men and women connect differently. And, and just individually, all of us find the, the experience of connection in different ways. Um, you know, you've heard of the love languages. That, that's one of the maps that people will often go to for how to feel connected. I find a lot of men need touch. We need physical touch. And look, when, when you know, men, we don't generally release oxytocin, the bonding, what they call the bonding hormone, through conversation. But through physical touch is where we really start to feel that the, the hormones of connection get released in our body through touch for a lot of women. And again, I don't mean to put this in purely, you know, heteronormative terms, but I, I just find it helpful as we navigate these kinds of conversations. And, <clears throat> but some, some women will identify more with what men go through and, and vice versa. Um, but, you know, with Sylvie and I, for example, and it took us a few years to really figure out what each other needed to feel connected. You know, so I'll give you an example. Sylvie and I, every morning we hug as soon as we're both up, it's, one of, it's our top priority to, to hug. But not just, not just like hug, pat on the back. Uh, in fact, sometimes, you know, when I'm, I'm already in my workflow, I get up earlier than Sylvie and, and then she'll get up and, and uh, 
and she'll, you know, we'll go for our hug, but I'm, I'm, I'm in work mode. So I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll kind of want to hug her from, from the side because I'm already, you know, I'm, I'm in go mode. <laughs> she'll stop me, turn my body, you know, and really square up. And so we can, okay, our bodies can meet. Mm. <sighs> we drop in for that five seconds, you know, where it's, it's a way of, I guess the simplest way I might define connection, it's really just a way of, of signaling to each other, we're on the same team. We're in this together. Here we are in this moment, sharing an experience. Mm-hmm. That takes seconds. And I think a lot of couples, though, will go months, even years, without that moment of drop-in. You know, and Sylvia and I, as you said, you know, like with, with Nita, uh, we're committed to doing that essentially every day. There might be a day or two where we, we miss it or the hug doesn't quite get it. But we have other rituals too. You know, that's a, a daily practice coming back to connection. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. We, we have a similar practice. We, we hug uh, mm-hmm. every morning. It has to be. It used to be cuddles mm-hmm. on the bed, but uh-huh. now we have our son sleeping right in the middle. <laughs> right, so that right, doesn't yeah. happen in the morning yeah. or he is the one that gets all the cuddles. Yeah. And also what I learned over time, and, and I would love to hear how you view it. And yes, some things may sound like gross generalization, but mm. we have to, to make sense of the world mm. or at least find some normal way of talking about some it because specific, patterns and, everybody yeah. is so specific otherwise. Yeah. And so we must discover that. But one of the things that I discovered in my relationship is the challenge we had, especially not in the morning when we would connect because that's kind of like you're kind of waking up. So mm-hmm. both of you are waking up. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of on the same page in yeah. way because both of you have just had a good night's sleep and yeah. you're woken up or, or whatever happened if the kid was waking up in the night. Like both of us experienced the same thing in one way or another. But when you come back from work or mm-hmm. I go back from work, mm-hmm. so I like to work at an office. Mm-hmm. I always have an office. Mm-hmm. I like right there uh, yeah. from the podcast. Yeah. So you can see that's my office. I come there, Open I go office. to work. Yeah. Uh, right. So, so I am in an office. It's a completely different setting I come to. Yeah. And she loves working from home. Yeah. She just loves it. She has the option of having an office. She does not want it. She wants to have a home office. She wants to be in that energy all day long. But what happens because of that is when we meet, we are in two completely different energies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she's in an energy of doing calls pretty much from her office or the kitchen table or whatever that she chose yeah. that day. Yeah. Right? With the kid around and the babysitter yeah. around and, you know, all of this yeah, stuff yeah. around yeah. Uh, happening versus I'm coming from like very different energy. It's a different space I went to. I was zoned in. I might have done my workout that day. So I've like had my day really finish. And whereas her day is in the same place, even if she went out, she came back into the same space and container. Mm. And we found that our energies are so different Mm. that if we don't regulate at that time, Mm -hmm. it will lead to conflict. Mm. Interesting. Because she's saying something from the place where container-wise, she's in a different container. And I'm saying something from my container. And we never sat, not not sat, but hugged or talked or just... Look, gaze into yeah. those eyes for a hot second to yeah. make sure, oh, we are now in the same container. Yeah. Now let's talk. So yeah. I think that was really mm-hmm. important for us yeah. to kind of stop doing the dance of you're not listening to me or you're not listening right. to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you use that word container. It's one of my favorite words in the world, container. I think in, in you know, one of the maps that I work with is the masculine feminine map in when I do relationship work. And, and just to be clear, I don't mean man and woman. I just, you know, we all have masculine and feminine capacities. And, but in, in you know, that, that word container, you know, 
okay, I'm, I'm doing something over here and this is what I'm doing. Like the, the masculine in all of us is very modal. This is the mode I'm in. And if you ask me to get into this mode, like I'm in work mode. As I said, like Sylvie wakes me or, or she wakes up and, and it's time to hug. I've been working for three hours. I'm in a mode. My mode is go, get done, like mission accomplishment. And if I take that into our hug, that doesn't feel good to her. It's like, I'm not, you know, she doesn't want our hug to just be a, a box that I'm ticking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On some level, you know, it is, I'm in a mode, you know? <laughs> so, but again, we, we know the game. So, okay. And I can, for a moment, I can drop that mode and like, okay, right. Now, new container, <sighs> relationship container. You know, and I think, you know, we all need our practices to switch containers, switch modes, but it's so important because you're right. If I don't, even in my own practice and, and just, and it takes a moment, you know, it takes a conscious, now, I mean, it could take 30 minutes too. You know, you've been doing this all day. You have the momentum of a whole, you know, whatever, how many hours you've been working. And now all of a sudden you come home and your, your partner just wants to bring you into relational, the relational container can be very irritating, you know, which your partner can perceive as rejection. And it is a kind of rejection. I'm not ready for this. (laughs) I just came back home. (laughs) I just got here. Leave me alone. I've been, you know, in my masculine mode all day. And now you want me to kind of drop into more of a feminine flow with you. And so I I love that word container. And I think the more that, that people can recognize the importance of transitioning between containers and being thoughtful how we do that transition, oh man, it, it's, I, that can be game-changing for relationships, especially, especially when people work together or work in the home, as you said, where the container gets really messy because it's work, it's also family, it's, it's, it's your leisure space as well. It's everything in one little space. That can become really challenging and stressful in a relationship. So I think that's so important to be aware of. Absolutely. Absolutely. What is it that you found is a helpful model of conversation to talk about containers? Because while, yes, I mean, it makes perfect sense intellectually mm-hmm. that we should have it. I feel one of the difficult things that happen in a relationship, happen in mine, yeah. is to A, understand what's the different sets of emotions and containers yep. and mind space that I go through in a day. Yep. And then to be able to reflect back and say, hey, this is where I am right now. Yeah. And be able to have that conversation. What's what's a good model? Is there a good model? Yeah. You know, you had a, a guest on earlier, Garen, Garen mm-hmm. Jones. And I actually learned something from him on social media quite some time ago about the importance of having weekly meetings with your partner. And, uh, you know, Sylvie and I started to adapt that about maybe a year ago or so. And, you know, weekly meetings are just maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe an hour if you have it, but where you and your partner sit down and do a few specific things. And again, there's different ways you could, could do that. But, but one of the important things is to talk about the kind of support you need in the upcoming week, right? Or, or you know, you might look at the past week and, and where you struggled, maybe. Where, was, where were there... Uh, areas of grind or conflict or challenge between you. It's a space that you can get vulnerable and share what's really going on for you and what you're and what you need. You know what you need from your partner. My model of relationship is is invitation, not obligation. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in relationships as obligation. That's no fun for anybody. 
<laughs> right? What I mean by a relationship as invitation, that puts great responsibility on me to be vulnerable about what's really happening for me and what my real needs are. So, you know, for example, in this conversation, we're talking about containers. You know, if I notice, let's say my partner is, I'm at work and my partner's coming into my office, when I say I'm at work, I'm at home in my work office at home. And my partner just comes in and interrupts me regularly because I'm at home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she or he thinks that I'm just available. And I'm noticing that that's irritating to me. And I don't like it. You know, what, what many couples do, because we just don't know any better, is we'll snap. We stew, we stew, and then we snap. Stop it. You know, why are you doing this? Leave me alone. Stop it. Don't, can't you? Whatever, right? Which just builds resentment. It doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. So leading with vulnerability and creating a container for the conversation even. That's what a, a weekly meeting is like a container for these kinds of conversations. So again, that you're not just at dinner and then all of a sudden, you know what? You know what? That thing you did today, that sucked. I hated that. Mm-hmm. What? Like they're just blindsided mm-hmm. or, you know, bringing it up at midnight because you can't sleep and you're so pissed from what happened today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just blah. Yeah. Not helpful, yeah. right? Yeah. So creating a container even for these conversations and then inside of that container leading with vulnerability. I'm noticing that when, you know, you come home and you're, you're in a work mode and you come home and you, and you just start to, to, to talk to me in this mode, I'm not in. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. I know you've had a long day. I know you're, but, but the way that you interact with me, I don't feel good. It doesn't feel good to me. How could we do this differently? Right? Mm-hmm. It's a question that I love I love for people to ask is like be in partnership around how do we do this differently rather than dictate this is how we're going to do it. You need to do this and this and this and this or this is what's going to happen. I'm going to do this, this and you just need to accept it. Be in a partnership conversation. How can we do this differently? Like do you need 30 minutes to transition Hmm. when you come home? Or maybe I need 30 minutes to transition. Would that work for you? Like if when I come home, Again, I'm, I'm noticing you want to just, you know, hug on me and love me and connect with me. And, and I love that, but I can't. It's too much for me too soon. I'm handling issues at work all day. I'm stressed. I'm just carrying so much. I, I can't do the kissy thing as soon as I walk in the door. Mm-hmm. Let's take 30 minutes. Would that work for you? Mm-hmm. And, or, you know, what does that bring up for you? So I, I'm all partnership conversations. Mm-hmm. Is that helpful? Is that? That is, that is. My wonder would be, if somebody has been in a long relationship, mm-hmm. let's say 11 years or over 11 mm-hmm. years or 15 years, whatever, the large number where they haven't had such conversations, mm-hmm. right? They were not been in that kind of relationship because right. while this dialogue, yeah. of course, anybody listening to it is like, of course, of right. course, you yeah, should yeah. be doing this. Of course, yeah. it makes sense. But they haven't done it until now because yeah. the awareness hasn't been present to it. Yeah. How do you start a conversation and how do you deal with yeah. the potential of rejection that will come right off the bat? Yeah. Which I can see. I mean, that hasn't happened in my relationship, thankfully, mm-hmm. because we're friends like you. So we always are <laughs> yeah. in conversations, yeah. always learning. Right. And so yeah. we don't end up in a situation where yeah. in 10 years we haven't yeah. spoken to each other in a way which yeah. is powerful and, and, yeah. and connects you. Yeah. But I know of people yeah. where 100%. it's yeah. they're like, well, I feel threatened the moment I'll bring it up. He's going to yeah. be like, what the hell are you talking about? Or yeah. she's going to be like, oh, now you want to talk. Right. Uh, so, so <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like it's a, it's hey. a little scary as a place. Uh, that will look when you, you know, when you've built up this much, you know, I, I would often when I when I would work with people, I would 
I would I would literally show them like this this right here is the life that you that you're intending to lead. This is the life you've been leading. You're way off off course here in the sense that you're just it's a it's a lack of integrity with self, not with other people necessarily. I mean it extends to other people, but if you haven't been telling the truth and having real conversations in your relationship for years and years and years, yeah, that gap's going to be pretty damn big. And inside of that gap, all kinds of dysfunction can happen. Infidelity, porn addiction, uh, just stagnant conflict. I mean, so the closing of that gap can be scary. You know, I mean, like Sylvie and I, we look, we have our days, but but we're constantly correcting. So the, the closure isn't so catastrophic. But yeah, when you're this far apart, you might want to get support. Actually, but, but here's a way that you can introduce that. Because I hear the question and I understand even introducing it is likely to bring resistance to someone. It's like, hey, like the, the subtext is we've been doing this for 20 years. You want to change it now? That's scary. This is the agreement we've had. The unspoken <laughs> agreement is we're going to live like this. And you want to close that? Ah. I think, you know, again, leading with vulnerability, not blame, not criticism, not you can do better, but real vulnerability and reassurance. So the two steps to this, reassurance and vulnerability. I love you. I love our relationship. I appreciate that you always show up, right? Leading with praise, with acknowledgement, and then vulnerability, which is, and things are off for me. There, there's something, something's off. I don't think we've been really, I don't know, again, this could look a million ways, but I, I feel like there's things that I haven't been telling you. I haven't been honest with you for a long time. Not big things. I'm not cheating on you. I'm not, I don't mean like that. I just mean in the day to day, I'm not feeling good in what's happening. I want us to have more open conversation. I want to, I want to do things in a new way. How do you feel about that? So reassurance so that you see that, that where, where couples get in trouble is they immediately go into an adversarial stance, right? And that's, we're all, the, the brain is programmed for survival, not thriving. So we're immediately looking for threat. And the moment my partner might say something that feel, even feels remotely threatening, again, our, our, our program is, well, you know, Duke's up. What are we doing here? So we have to help each other put those down. And we do that through reassurance. I don't want to leave you. I don't want to end our relationship. I want us to have something special. And we do. We do have something special reassurance, but I don't know, I'm, I'm growing, I'm learning new things and I want to share that with you. So again, a very gentle, soft, and even still, I recognize that some people won't respond to that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that eventually, I, I will say this, I find that a lot of men in particular, we aren't ready to really do the work until we hit bottom, until, until we've either lost the relationship or we really get that we're about to if things don't change. That's really unfortunate, but it's very common. One of my mentors, Francis Weller, he's a psychotherapist, and he would say that typically the men that come into my office only come kicking and screaming or after they've hit, they've just plummeted to the bottom of their lives. So I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of going... No, but let, it's, let it's an there. important conversation and yeah. that does happen. You were very right in the observation of, yeah. and it could be because of how we have 
generally as men are not so much more in tune with what's truly happening mm -hmm. until it happens. Mm -hmm. Like emotionally, we right. don't yeah. regulate on a daily basis. We don't identify, yeah. we don't label. That's just not our natural state. We have to yeah. develop that as a skill or else I feel natural tendency for more feminine energy is yeah. they know what's happening as it's happening. Their yeah. awareness is a little yeah. bit or significantly more stronger yeah. than when um, a man or woman has leaned too much into their masculine yeah. and then somehow that, because their logical mind turns on a lot more, yeah. I think their emotional mind turns off. Yeah. And for feminine, the emotional mind is more yeah. turned on yeah. and so they're logical, no, that's not true, <laughs> but but the emotional mind is more turned on, that's yeah. that's for sure. So so I think that that attunement is what causes, like, you know, you've, you've pent it up so long that when it breaks, it really breaks the dam. And so the men came, uh, or the masculine version of men or women walk in more kicking and screaming. And, and it also is maybe something to do with the role that we're supposed to play in society. We're supposed to be the strong guy. Yeah. Like it's funny, there was a video I had posted some time ago about on, on YouTube about why men should get a coach, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And one of the comments, and I remember it distinctly mm -hmm. because the, there was a female mm. that posted on that comment with all, because I had said, you know, if men can be more in tune with their emotions, mm -hmm. it's easier to, you know, be better in relationships mm -hmm. and in life mm -hmm. generally, mm -hmm. right? And there was a particular woman who, like attacked the whole idea of saying, I only like men that are strong mm. and that can fight for me and we can go to a bar and he can beat up six guys. Okay. And I was like, good luck <laughs> being with your partner when he's 65. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or 75, something like that. Because I was mm. like, let's reflect on that. <clears throat> yeah. Does that mean he'll become less of a man because at 75 yeah. he cannot beat up six guys? Yeah. And it does it right, really right. make any sense? Right. Or or would you have a good relationship with yeah. a man that was, you were yeah. 75, they were 75, you had say 50 years of lived experience together, you suddenly said, no, you're not man enough, so I'm going to walk away from this. Yeah, That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's not what a real man is. That's yeah. not what real manhood is defined. Right. But it's interesting yeah. that's how society sees it, right? Sure. Because literally, I've never had a comment. Yeah. Yeah. Like my channel, for some reason, does not get the trolls. Oh, they, right. They're always very kind, very generous, beautiful yeah. people. And then this was one time, I'm like, wow, uh -huh. you really didn't listen to anything that I said. And that is also a person that follows me, of course. Look, I get it. It's very primal. Again, survival-oriented. That woman saying, I want a man that will help me survive. I got it. And yeah, the biggest man in the room was the one that will guarantee your physical survival. But relationships aren't just about physical survival anymore. Anyway, look, I, I'm all for a man being, you know, having a martial arts and being able to handle himself in, in combat. I'm all for it. Fine. Nothing wrong with that. But it's interesting. You, your post was about emotions. Just today, uh, my post was, um, a, a man will never be able to embrace a woman's emotions until he can embrace his own. Beautiful. He will never be able to embrace a woman's emotions until he can embrace his own. And, and that's the... You know, I'll just say problem, if you will. But that's the challenge that relationships run into is that big guy who can beat up six other guys. Okay, great, fine. But when you, as a woman, have big emotions, can he be with those? You know, men are much more afraid. A lot of, like, that big guy is probably much more afraid of her crying than he <laughs> is of those six dudes in the bar. Yeah. I mean, we're talking in generalities here, but, you know, I mean, the you know, the, what, what, what happens to a lot of men when a woman starts crying is we, we, can't handle it. We don't know how to be with that. And that creates real disconnect in relationships. So, you know, I think that's the great challenge of, of particularly of men today is how do we still be powerful in visceral ways? You know, I, I was in the military 
And man, I was, you know, raised by very feminist mother and, and, and my father's, you know, were good men, but they were a mess. They didn't really know how to show up for me and show me how to be a man in, in ways that were meaningful to me anyway. And so anyway, I grew up, I went into the military, very pacifist, very, you know, oh, no violence. You should never, you know, turn the other cheek kind of thing. Oh my God. I was so out of touch with my warrior energy. And I went into the fucking military, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Whoa, what a schizophrenic experience that was for me, <laughs> man. It was very painful. And, you know, in, in the years since, oh, I've so enjoyed reconnecting to that warrior energy, really, you know, embracing the, the, the idea of, of, of being a man who can handle himself physically with other men. But some of the most important work I've done is actually being able to be with my woman's emotions, you know, to, to, to be with her when she cries, when she, when she, in the, in the, in the, just the daily fluctuations of her, both her happiness and ecstasy and also her, her anger and frustration and her, her, her sadness. You know, every time we pull up on a, on a street and there's a, a homeless person there begging for money, you know, my, my natural inclination is to block it out. Just can't deal with this. Hers is, oh, open, bleeding heart. I love that about her. I wouldn't want and that in her, you know, but that, that, that untrained part of me is like, wants her to also block it out. I don't want to feel anything. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, again, this is the conundrum. So many of us men, we, and I said this at the beginning, like the very thing I chose in my wife, a very emotional woman, mm -hmm. my wife experiences all the emotions. And I felt that on our first date because I tend to experience far less. I just, my range is a little, tends to be a little more narrow. Hers is all over the place. Okay, so I chose that. Now be with it. Holy shit. Ah! You know, <laughs> she, my range is here and she's all over here. Ah! You know, that's the, that's the conundrum. And yet that's... Anyway, man, it's, it's such a wild thing to explore. And I yeah. think it's so important that us men learn how to be with a range of emotions. You've had experience in working with men and women and yeah. relationships mm. together. I think the... One of the things that I found powerful in Nita is, and maybe that was true for Sylvie as well, is while I had a limited set of or range of emotions, mm -hmm. she was somehow able to guide me, first bring awareness mm -hmm. to which that I have mm -hmm. a shorter yeah. range of emotions. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to really identify, even identify emotions yeah. that went beyond that. Yeah. Uh, because just because I've never experienced it myself. Yeah. So she yeah. was somehow able to bring awareness yeah. towards that and then yeah. be able to guide me to increase yeah. my range of emotions yeah. or at least being able to handle a range yeah. of emotions, yeah. even if I don't know how it really feels. Yeah. I ask this question is because maybe 70% of our listeners are women. Yeah. And these are women mm. coaches, so they're mm. very aware. Mm. And at the same point of time, a lot of them report not a super beautiful relationship or are ending mm -hmm. their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Or even if they have a beautiful relationship, they don't have the practices mm -hmm. uh, where they feel connected to their partner. Their beautiful relationship in other ways. It's respectful, yeah. it's nice, yeah. it's kind. It's yeah. all the check boxes are yeah. there, yeah. but they still feel a little, you know, empty yep. in yep. that relationship. Yep. What would be your guidance mm -hmm. to somebody like that to be able to say, all right, we're going to take this and we're going to turn it to, to create an emotional bond. 
yeah. uh, show our men how to increase their range of emotions or at yeah. least their ability to work with emotions? Yeah, it's a great question. I think um, first, I think first we we have to be honest with ourselves. Like like the the, the woman that you're talking to, um, or, to or about, um, she probably has to redefine what success is in relationship. I think especially. Uh, look, I'm all for it. My, my mother's mom and stepmom, they're boss women. You know, I grew up with boss women, women that really ruled the roost and held the families together and were the visionaries and the money makers and held all of that. I'm all for it. And I think the world needs more of that. And when it comes to intimacy, I also see how the women in that, that fit that description, you could say, are, are feel deeply unmet often by the, the male partners that they're, they're with or just by the world. And um, I think this word connection, what does that mean? What does it feel like? Everyone's got to figure that out for themselves and be honest. If you're making the money, you've got the home, you've got the success, you've got the big social media following, you got all the things, you got the man that, that looks good and, and, and to, to the world, like the, that perfect picture. Um, and I know couples like this as well. Very much so. Um, I think the first step is just being honest with yourself that 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 there's some whether there's something missing in that the realm of connection, and if there is, then just being willing to explore that to have conversations with your partner. You know, it's similar to like um, as I said when when I just want to hug side hug Sylvie for our morning hug because I'm in a different mode, and she stops me and turns my body to her and really, you know, is a reminder that I, okay, connection. Like, again, she and I have been doing this a long time. So we're, we're on the same page. I know what she's doing. She's right. I'm in, I'm enrolled. It's, it's, I don't, you know, it's a part of me that wants to resist it, but I'm enrolled. I believe, and I experienced this in working with men, that in the deepest hearts of men, every man wants to thrive in his relationship with his partner. Every man wants to feel like he is, you know, her king, her, her, her hero, her, the, the guy that lights her up. Every man wants to be that guy, but few men know how to do it. And oftentimes what happens is we just feel criticized when our partner expresses discontent. Uh, she probably does it in unskillful ways usually. And so it becomes a spiral into shit show or just stagnancy. So again, vulnerability reassurance. I love you. You're my man. I, I'm excited to be in this relationship with you. And let's, let's mix it up. Let's do something different. Because I, I don't know, I want to feel, feel our connection even deeper. Let's explore how we might do that. Right? And then it is an exploration. There's just no one path works for everybody. I mean, you know, therapy... Therapy can be a way, but again, a lot of guys, I hear from so many couples and people that, not to diss therapy, my wife is a therapist, mm -hmm. but a lot of people end up feeling beat up by their therapists or ganged up on, especially men. Yeah, because yeah. usually what tends to happen, at least the research I did around that, is that because the women in the relationship tend to usually say, let's go to a therapist. Mm -hmm. And then what tends to happen is they pick the therapist without both of them having consent on who the therapist should be. Mm. Or they end up going to the therapist 
the female in the relationship was already utilizing. Mm. And so the guy feels like I've been cornered into mm. a situation right, right. that was not my asking. Yeah. So they never enrolled the man yeah. to actually go to the therapy. Yeah. And so when they did go, you had an unenrolled person finding reasons why this doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not a recipe for success. <laughs> you know, there's there's yeah. other other things that may arise, but but I'm a proponent of just be willing to experiment. Yeah. Be in the experimentation. Uh, I'm with Sylvie seven years now, and we're still experimenting with how do we create a great life together? It's not something that we figured out four years ago and then we just do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an ongoing experiment. And I think couples that are willing to stay in the experiment, stay in the conversation, stay in the raw vulnerability about what's real right now. How are we doing? Having weekly meetings, you know, being in the exploration of of what does it mean not to just survive with each other, but to really thrive in ways that are meaningful to both of us. Not just one of us, but both of us. Um, I think those those are the couples that are truly successful. I so agree. I remember when the first time or first few times that we started the conversation, I'm talking about me and Nita, when Nita would bring up these ideas to say, Mm. hey, I would like to, this is how I would feel connected. I remember me resisting it Mm. first. Me going, you know, I'm in my work (laughs) more, the same thing. I'm like in my work more, what are you talking about? What is this regulation that we have to do Mm -hmm. and regulate our bodies and regulate our emotions so we are on the same page and so we don't just fight because we are in two completely different containers. Mm -hmm. So initially when those conversations would come up, I would resist. I would be like, what are you talking about? We're we're doing good. Like, what is the challenge? It happens once in a while. What's the big deal? And what I noticed in her, which I think is powerful uh, in that moment for her and in the future for me, because I was like, okay, this is how you really say in your, or present your boundaries a little bit better or present your needs a little bit better is where she stayed by expressing it, saying, mm-hmm. it's okay, you're feeling, you're mm-hmm. feeling really resistant about yeah, it. Let's yeah. keep talking about yeah. it. Let's keep talking about it. Yeah. And sure enough, in some time mm-hmm. I came around, I, like, I understood the value of it. She mm-hmm. continued to educate me mm-hmm. uh, in direct or indirect ways mm-hmm. to say, this is what we're really seeking or this mm-hmm. is what I am seeking. Yeah. And I want to find a way so it's a, yeah. Common, like yeah. we, we can find what is the place where both of us settle yeah. instead of just my ask. Yeah. And the reason why I want to tell that story is because yeah. that's probably what's going to happen for yeah. anybody that is starting a conversation and they haven't had that kind of conversation, say, even in three years. Yeah. Uh, even in a year, probably, if they haven't had the conversation, it probably yeah. is going to take a hot minute. Yeah, it's for going sure. to take for the other person to kind of be enrolled into that conversation. Remember, you're working the longer you've gone without having these conversations, the bigger the gap is between what you're aching to experience and what you're actually experiencing. And so, again, you know, infidelity, like let's say, you know, that can happen out here because you're so far apart. And infidelity, when when that gets discovered, well, now shit gets real, but it's like a thunderclap. You know, the closing of that gap is, 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 is painful. It's a loud fucking, uh, (laughs) but you know, when you start to have the conversations without some dramatic thing crashing the whole house of cards down on you, it does take time. You know, be willing for it to take time. I'll often tell couples that expect it to take 10 years to get really good at being with each other. And that's after you start trying. You know, if you've been with each other for 30 years and you've, you're, you know, this, and now you start trying, give it 10 years. 
<laughs> and I, not that it's literally 10 years, but for me, that's often also a litmus test. If you hear that and you think, well, okay, so there's a chance, that's a good sign. You guys are going to probably make it if you're both willing to, to give it 10 years and be in it, be in the conversation. But if you hear 10 years, I got to spend 10 more years with this bozo or 10 more years, I'm out. Well, that's also a good sign because that tells me that you're not in for the journey that it's going to take to figure this out. Relationships are messy. They, as I said, I'm seven years with with Sylvie. We're still finding our way with certain things. Still learning each other's sensitivities and boundaries and, you know, because life changes, new contexts arise and we have to find, oh, well, how do we function in this context? I don't know. Let's let's find out. (laughs) Especially we, like the kind of work that we do and the kind of work that the listeners do, you are changing so rapidly. Totally. There's going to be, if there is no constant connection and conversation and dialogue, there's no way you can be on the same page yeah. because you're just going so fast. And if your partner is not engaged in the same journey or yeah. some version of that journey, yeah. here's how it's going to go. You're going to keep growing in one direction and the person's going to keep growing in another direction. Yeah. And guess what? Three years, you're even further apart than yeah. actually being closer. Yeah. So you got to enroll the person so both of you grow kind of together. So even if there is a gap, it's not that big a gap that happens yeah. between both of you because of just the growth cycle that you're having. So, so very true. And with new information and new data and new ways to do relationship, new conversations and ability to have conversations, I think general mass is getting more conscious and aware that they mm-hmm. it does take a dialogue. And it yeah. does take effort. Yeah. And it is not the old way where you were tied to the person for the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, and so it is even harder than it used to be because before yeah. social obligation would make it possible for you to say, even if it is not good, we are going to stay in it. And so yeah. you'll fight for the relationship yeah. just because you're like, I have no way out. Yeah. Now, you don't have to fight for a relationship. True. Because you could simply say, doesn't matter. We have... Swipe right, swipe left, whatever the swipe is. <laughs> it is. But yeah, it's just like swipe there and, and yeah. you ha- you're you on to the next one. Yeah. And and because of that, I think we need to fight more for relationships. Yeah. We need to learn how to fight for a relationship. Yeah. Because yes, yes, you can find a different partner. Yes, it's easy and so on and so forth. But it is going to get hard with that person too. 100%. It's not going to be yeah. easy. Yeah. And I've had one bad relationship that I didn't have the desire to fight. Yeah. Right, because I I didn't have the desire. I know that I, I had like I was like I'm not even like if you would have told me it'll take ten years, I would be like no no way I'm yeah. not enrolled. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whereas if you talk about my current relationship, ten years, give me twenty. I'm yeah. still on I'm for in. the journey yeah. because I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you gotta get that enrollment going for yourself and for your partner early on because otherwise, yeah. yes, you're gonna quit this relationship, but you're gonna quit the next one too and the next one too, and forty years from now with four different partners. Not that you lived a bad life, but you're also then again at a place where you're not with the partner. Yeah. So there is some personal growth that needs to happen at some point to say, we have to make this work. It just doesn't work. You have to make it work. Yeah. And I think, you know, the my, the title of my book, Choose Her Every Day or, or Leave Her, I, I wrote that in response to my own experience being with someone that I, I wasn't fully choosing for five years. You know, I was in it, but also not in it. And there was always a lot, you know, there was a, there was like a lot of doubt and fear and I had no skills and, and this is my early thirties. And I, and, and I, I always kept thinking, well, there's someone else out there who will love me better. 
you know, this whole story. There's someone else. That's the, the, the swiping culture. We, there wasn't even dating apps 15 years ago, but still my mind was wanting to swipe on this person. <laughs> <laughs> this is too hard. Swipe. And um, that, that relationship was torture for both of us. And, um, but I think, you know, it, it's a tricky time um, because of the abundance of potential partners that we can encounter in a day. You know, we'll meet more potential partners in a day than our ancestors would meet in a lifetime. Oh, 100%. Lifetimes. It's insane. And I think that uh, what, I, what I see often happening, you know, particularly for men, is we, we tend to, and obviously not in, this is not true in every case. I mean, you know, Matt, the, 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 your production manager here, I mean, he met his wife at what age? What age were you, Matt? We've been together 10 years, so I think 27. 27 years old. And I mean, he's, he's as committed to his wife as I've seen a man at, from 27. So it's not in every case, but I find a lot of men we don't really run into the what I call the limits of our adolescence until our late 30s or mm. early 40s. And it's usually around that time for a lot of men that we, we realize, shit, what I've been doing for the last 20 years, it ain't working anymore. And it's often a, a woman or a relationship who is a catalyst for that switch. Mm. You know, it's like values start to change. He starts to realize man, I can't keep doing things this way. I've messed up relationship after relationship, to your point. I just keep doing this. And I love this woman. I could leave or maybe she just left me, but I don't want to keep repeating this. What the fuck do I do? That often happens for a lot of guys around the age of 40, late 30s, early 40s, if it happens to them at all. You know, and, and I think, you know, that happened to me. That's I'm telling you my story. And when I met Sylvie, I was 41. And I figured out, I think when I met Sylvie, what I experienced was, holy shit, I could swipe on this woman. Sure. I mean, I couldn't, but I, let's say theoretically I could. I was so locked into her. I couldn't, but I could. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a switch in my brain that realized, you know, I could get a different woman, but the story of a better woman doesn't exist for me anymore. There's no such <laughs> thing as a better woman. There's just, there'd be different women. And <laughs> to your point, I will run into the same me in a different relationship. So it's time for me to really lean in, go all in. Like you said, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever it takes, I am in. You know, and that's, you know, choose her every day or leave her. It's not about choosing this person that on some days I think is absolutely nuts and I can't stand them or I can't, it's just, it's too hard. But it is about leaning into the challenges, being willing every day to, you know, give that hug to figure out how does my partner feel connected? How do I feel connected? And then how do, my favorite question to give couples to live inside this question is what would serve we? Mm-hmm. What would serve we? That's, you know, whether you're going out to dinner, to trying to figure out where do we eat or you're moving to a new location or uh, you looking for a new job or, I mean, that question is so, I think, is such a profound question for couples to so sit important. in. Yeah. What would serve we? Because we always think what will serve me. Uh-huh. And everybody does that. This is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I would like. But the moment you shift focus to say there is an entity that is we. That is we. It changes the dialogue. 
And even the person who might object and say, well, no, I'm always thinking of my partner. I'm never thinking of myself. Well, I, I, I might challenge that. I'd push back on that and say, well, in that orientation, there's often a, a, well, as long as my partner's happy, my needs don't matter. Well, what's the underlying story that's at place there? If I don't meet their needs, they'll leave me. If I don't do what they want me to do, I'm a bad person. You know, there's a lot of subtext under that orientation. You know, if I don't keep them happy, you know, men, I mean, sexually, if, if I don't give my woman a good orgasm, if I don't sexually please her, then I'm, I'm a bad man. Well, that's a slippery slope because we, we can get into all kind of, you know, performance practices that are not really grounded in her actual pleasure. They're grounded in us looking good mm. to her. So what would serve we is such a profound, it's an inquiry. It's a, it's a, it's a meditation, you know, it's a, and, it's, and, it's a, and it's a dialogue. How do we both get our needs and desires met? How do, we, how do we dance with each other such that we're enjoying this dance, both of us, not just one of us? Oh, man. Again, it's, it's, it's not a question that I can give anyone an answer to. It's, it's a question to live inside of. Beautiful. I, I remember reading um, research around couples that were married by, by, by like 11 years in Chicago, 11 years or over in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they took this set of couples that rated their relationship as dissatisfactory. So they were like a couple of couples, they found them at least 11 years of marriage, they rated their relationship dissatisfactory or not happy in the relationship. And they broke them into two groups. In group one, they said, journal for the next 21 days mm. how you feel when you guys have a conflict. Mm. Write your experience, journal, 21 days. The other group, they said, I want you to write the journal or we want you to write the journal to the 21 days of exercise, but we want you to write as if you're watching a movie or as if you're a third person, you were an exterior experience. Not your experience, mm. but your together experience. Mm. So it must include the experience of your partner and yours. Yeah. They checked in after 21 days. The experience of, and I could be butchering this a little bit, but generally the frame was that after 21 days, the couples that wrote their own experience had no change in their dissatisfaction. Mm. They were equally dissatisfied or yeah. more dissatisfied than they yeah. were before they started. Yeah. Journaling should have helped, yeah. didn't. Yeah. The other group, which was to write the experience as a third party or as if they were watching a movie, yeah. reported no dissatisfaction yeah. in their relationship. Yeah. Just because they could empathize and understand what was happening for the other person. Yeah. Because they thought of we, oh, yeah. not me. I'm working with a man right now who came into our work together with a lot of frustration um, in this, in sex, sexually with his long-term partner. His sex drive, you know, his telling of it is his sex drive is insatiable. He just is, is hungry for his woman all the time. And he's so frustrated because she doesn't initiate. She uh, rejects him often. She's even asked him to not initiate himself, to not even display his sexual desire. And you know, we were working with him for a few months. And one of the things, he just had a conversation with her uh, recently, and I'm, I'm changing some details just to preserve anonymity for this man. But he sat with her a few days ago, and see, like like most, if not all, women, she's had past sexual trauma, or or even just just um, being talked to by men, being perceived in ways, sexual ways that she, that have have made her feel violated. 
not even just by her partner. I mean, her partner as well. You know, that there's, it's common that men don't get sex and we pout. Mm-hmm. You know, we do the things that we punish in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, he sat with her and was able to put himself in her shoes and say, you know what? I really get that if I had been a little girl that went through what you went through, and then I turned into a young woman and I'd had men leer at me, touch me inappropriately, do all the things that, that you've told me have happened to you. Fuck. Even what I've done in the last you know, 10 years of our life together, the way that when you wouldn't give me what I want, I would just you know, pout and make you feel guilty and shame you and be angry because you didn't give me what I wanted sexually. And holy shit, I so understand why you would not want me to have any sexual desire for you. I so get why you would be taking this stance. He just sat with that in her presence. I mean, I get chills just just thinking about it because, you know, this is a your typical man's man, you know, worked in the oil fields kind of thing. And for him to be able to have this conversation with, with his longtime partner, um, he, he shared with me that since he's had that conversation, the energy between them has shifted profoundly. Like she's never felt that seen and, and felt by a man before. Not just her man, but any man. And it's, you know, it's the man that she wants most to be seen and, and felt by. And um, I mean, it's like a, a renaissance is happening in their relationship. You know, just in that one moment, you know, him being able to inhabit her experience and, and mirror it back to her. Game changing, you know, game changing for, for their intimacy, for, so, um, man, I have great empathy for men in relationships. No one ever gave us the skills to do this stuff well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, it can seem sometimes like I can be a little hard on men only because I'm calling us into responsibility. That's all. Just to take responsibility for our part in things. And I'm a man. I think that's my place to to call other men into our greatness, you know, which which means taking fucking responsibility for our impact on, you know, in relationships on, on, on on women, on our partners. Um, and I have great empathy and compassion for us. Our fathers didn't teach us well, for the most part. A culture hasn't taught us well. It didn't give us the skills to succeed. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for the times that we live in, though. We, we get to have these conversations. I mean, what, look, two dudes talking about relationship stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty revolutionary. Cool. And, yeah, and, and talking about our vulnerabilities and our mistakes and emotions and mm-hmm. all of that, I think is really powerful. And I think we're up for some change, which is great. Mm-hmm. And, and I think none of us got educated, including women also didn't really get educated or females yeah, or feminine, yeah. or however yeah. you want to say it. Yeah. None of us had or have had the, the education uh, because that's just not how education is structured or was structured in previous times. Thankfully, because yeah. of podcasts and YouTube and all the diversity of media, as much as we blame them for, oh, that's how we're getting disconnected yeah. society, we are also getting hyper-educated. If you choose these channels wisely, of course, to be able to mm-hmm. say, all right, how do you understand each other better? How mm-hmm. do you have a conversation better? Are you willing to try? Like just the, just the reframe of saying it's a 10-year journey. Don't yeah. think about your relationship will get fixed in one conversation. Yeah, yeah. It will have a big change like this gentleman did. Totally, yeah. It will have a shift in energy. But yeah. hey, it's going to take work for That's you to right. get to a place where you go, huh, this is yeah. absolutely exactly as we wanted. It might take 
a hot minute to get there. Right. right. So I think just that awareness, just that one reframe is enough for somebody to relook at their relationship. And as a relationship coach, to be able to go into a relationship and make sure Mm. the context and the container is not, you've come to me tomorrow, you will have a beautiful relationship. That's not how it's going to happen. It's going to take work (laughs) on everybody's part for a relationship to get to a place where it feels you've been seen, you're heard, you've felt, you're you're present, you're safe, all of that. Uh, That takes time. So thank you for sharing all of that. Tell us a little bit more about your book. Yeah, choose her every day or leave her a guide for your journey through the transformational fires of love and intimacy. Because love and intimacy are transformational fires. Um, This is a uh, a book that I I wrote, as I said, and it's a it's it's for both men and women. You know, it's 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 a it's a guide for for men. You know, the, the first chapter is no one ever taught me how to be a man. That's the very first chapter. And I think that's one of the big challenges, you know, in our age is really taking on. What does it even mean to be a man? And how do, how, what does a woman want from me? So I explore a lot of that in this book. I think, you know, women will find this book very validating of their experience. But I also give a lot of uh, tools and, and practices like connection rituals. And, and I talk a lot about the, the gaps in communication um, uh, between couples that, that, you know, it's like we're, we're, we're constantly talking it different. Um, we're not even having the same argument most of the time. So I just, this is a, just all things relationship that, that people go through. Why isn't it working? What is this gap between us? Why does it suck so much? Why is it painful? Why do, why do I either want to run for the hills or, 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 or choose what isn't healthy for me? Um, you know, choose her every day or leave her for men, or, for men and women. Beautiful, beautiful. Brian, how can our listeners learn more about you, yep. follow you, and so yep. forth. My, my website is uh, brianreeves.com. It's Brian with a Y. It's very important, brianreeves.com. But uh, your know, book is on Amazon. I'm on all the social medias. As, as at Brian Reeves. Uh, Brian, I think it's Brian Reeves official on Instagram, um, maybe on Facebook as well. Um, but you know, my website, brianreeves.com, is, you is can find nice. all the links as well. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time, Brian. Thank you. Thanks, man.